In just a moment, I'll be reading from and preaching from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. So I invite you to have your Bibles ready and your Bibles open. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. Before we read God's Word, I would invite us to a time of prayer. Would you bow with me as we come into God's presence together? Our loving Father, you are good to us, and your goodness and provision are so wonderful. The earth responds with beauty and with bounty, and for that we thank you. And on this particular weekend, we thank you for the freedoms we enjoy, for those who've made ultimate and enormous sacrifices that we might enjoy them. And this morning, we pray for people in other nations and other places of the earth without freedoms. We lift them up to you. We commend to your gracious care women and men in the armed forces, those in our fellowship who are ill and grieving, those who are broken, broken by life, broken by tragedy. We pray for our city. We pray for our church's mission. You have led us through fire and through flood and through enormous challenges, and we thank you for the vibrancy of Christ's church in this place. We pray for our upcoming vacation Bible camp, for our upcoming basketball camp and all of the mission trips of the summer season. We pray that you might anoint them all with the power of your witness. We offer our full attention now to your holy word. We pray in the name of the crucified, risen, and ascended Lord Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives forever and ever. Amen. Acts, the first chapter, beginning in verse 6, and I'll invite you to stand if you're able to do so. So when they had come together, they asked him, Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This picture that I'm going to show you was taken from uh, the Mount of Olives, uh, east of the city proper of Jerusalem, and you are seeing in the foreground the Kidron Valley. Specifically, you are seeing in the foreground the olive trees of the Garden of Gethsemane, and in the background, in the far distance, you see the eastern 
gate, one of the eastern gates, and the eastern wall of the old city proper of Jerusalem. I was standing on the Mount of Olives, and the reason I show this picture and mention it is that in verse 12, just one verse beyond what we read a moment ago, we learn that Jesus was standing on the Mount of Olives when he, after his resurrection, ascended back to the Father's right hand. And so the Mount of Olives is very, very significant in Christian history. He was thrilled to be there and and to, to think about all those biblical truths. The ascension happened 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, after his post-resurrection appearances. And you may even ask, well, why is it important? Last Thursday was Ascension Day in the, in the Christian calendar. And uh, Christians all over the world celebrate Ascension Day, the 40 days after uh, Easter. And why is it important? Well, to say it as simply as I know how, it's important because before the Ascension, Jesus was limited in time and space to being in one place at a time. But after the ascension, Jesus was no longer limited as he ascended to the Father, dispensed his Holy Spirit, and through his Spirit, present with believers everywhere in the world. Martin Luther uh, had a way of phrasing things in in a powerful way. While Christ was on earth, he was far away from us. But now that he is in heaven, he is close to us. You see the paradox of that? How interesting that when he's on earth, he's far away from us. But in heaven, he is near us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer commented on that quote by uh, Martin Luther and said, Christ is no longer only king of the Jews. Christ is king of the whole world. And the ascension is the biblical truth that states that so clearly. And, And it's that idea that Jesus could not send the Holy Spirit until he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And then he sent the Spirit... Uh, to be with every believer, to be Jesus Christ's presence with each of us. Isn't that what Jesus was getting at in John chapter 16, verse 7, uh, when he made this simple statement? It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's Jesus' promise, that as he ascends to the Father... So he will dispense his Holy Spirit, his advocate, his comforter, his empowering presence to be with us. And that's precisely where we take up the story in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus gives the promise. You will be here together. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. See, the Holy Spirit isn't only for comfort. The Holy Spirit is also for empowering for our witness. The word power in verse 8 is the Greek word dunamis from which we get our English word dynamite. Jesus said you will receive dynamite when the Holy Spirit comes upon you that you might be my witnesses. And by the way, you see this banner behind me, the sort of... uh, Uh, cranberry red one, Uh, a few people have said to me, Pastor, uh, that's a mistake. That's upside down. The angel is flying down. It's not an angel. It's the Holy Spirit. Some of you didn't even notice that. Some of you noticed it and didn't have the courage to ask me about it. 
It's a Holy Spirit descending, coming. The presence of the Holy Spirit to empower us for witness. Now, I want us to think this morning for a little while about what it means that Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to empower us to be his witnesses. Witnesses, not his experts. You see the difference? To be called an expert is to put a lot of pressure on yourself. It's all up to me. My talent, my uh, moving around of, of circumstances, my manipulation of the situation, it's all up to me. We're not experts. Jesus never called us to be experts. He calls us to be witnesses. And there's a huge difference. Uh, when I pastored uh, in St. Joseph, Missouri, at King Hill Baptist Church, I got a phone call in the middle of the night from the police. You never like to get a phone call from the police in the middle of the night. Uh, they told me that uh, a group of young men, just boys, almost men, uh, had been caught red-handed on our church parking lot trying to steal the batteries from our church buses and in the process vandalizing the buses. And they wanted me to come. I came. Uh, I, I signed the report. I was later called to court to testify. And uh, if you've ever been called to testify, you know that uh, the day is pretty well blown. I sat out in the hallway of the courthouse for most of the day, just twiddling my thumbs and, and waiting. And I was finally called in. And they swore me in and asked my name and my vocation. And Now, now what, did, what did you witness that night? Well, I got a phone call from police. I was called down there, and the police started telling me about these boys. And they said, whoa, 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 you can't give hearsay testimony. You can only give testimony to what you witnessed. And I wanted to say to the judge, I've watched enough TV, I knew that. I'm almost a lawyer, I've watched Perry Mason. And Law and Order hadn't started back then yet, but I'm really an, a law, I'm, I'm an expert. I almost have a law degree. I've slept through the second half of Law and Order a lot of times. And I knew that. I wondered why they called me to testify. You can't testify to that which you've not witnessed or experienced. To be a witness for Christ is not to be an expert. It is to simply share and testify to who he is to us, what he is doing in our lives. And that's powerful. That's powerful. And yet it keeps the pressure off of us. We don't have to testify to that which we've not experienced. A little girl was uh, just at the developmental stage uh, mentally to where she was still a very concrete thinker. She had not moved into that developmental stage of being an abstract thinker. She'd listened carefully to what the pastor had said. And on the way home from church, she said, Mama, I just don't understand. The pastor talked about Jesus coming into my life. She said, but if Jesus came into my life, he wouldn't fit. He would just stick out all over. And she was right. If Jesus Christ is in our lives, he should stick out all over. What's more, whatever is in our lives sticks out all over. And if the ascended Lord Jesus is not 
central in our lives, whatever is, sticks out all over. Witnesses, not experts, witnesses. Just share what's sticking out all over you. Did you notice carefully the question that the disciples asked Jesus in verse 6? And did you note carefully Jesus' answer? The disciples, even though they experienced the resurrection, they were still thinking earthly political kingdom. They were sort of just rubbing their hands together and saying, Now Jesus, is now the time that you're going to restore the fortunes of Israel? Now are you going to restore uh, the kingdom the way it's supposed to be? And Jesus said, whoa, wait a minute. Not for you to know the times and seasons. Literally in the Greek, it's not for you to know the chronos and the kairos. Times and seasons, not your business. You're just supposed to be waiting on the Holy Spirit and then you're just supposed to witness to my work in your life. You leave this second coming stuff to me. And do you think maybe Jesus has a word for us today? Instead of being obsessed with the obscurities of his second coming, why don't we just get busy and share about his first coming? Just bear witness to his first coming. And I like the way the angels phrase it in verse 11. On that Mount of Olives... Jesus is ascending and disappearing from their presence and their mouths are open and they're looking up and the angel basic, angels basically say, what are you gawking at? Get busy. Just close your mouth and get busy. Don't stand here gawking up into heaven. Get to work. Be my witnesses. Not my experts. Do you know, extensive polling and research has shown, depending on which survey you read, that people who start coming to church or who start coming again to church, between 75% and 90%, depending on the survey, between 75 and 90% of people who start coming to church start coming because someone invites them. Now, that's not rocket science, but it's important. It simply means that you and I have influence, and we need to be stewards of our influence. People are not asking us to be experts, to answer every Bible question, to, to explain the obscurities of the book of Revelation. They're not even asking moral perfection from us. Lord knows the world knows that Christians are not perfect. They're not asking moral perfection or expertise. What they're asking is for us to share what Jesus means to us. And as the angels said to the disciples who were gawking up into heaven, why are you standing here? 
get busy. This same Jesus will come back sometime. People want to know why we have hope. Do you know that you are very close geographically and emotionally to people in your life who don't have hope? You think about it. Their lives are baseless. Their lives are without organizing realities. Their lives are without foundations for the storms that come. They are hungry for hope. And our testimony could make a difference as we simply share. Witnesses, not experts. And you know, you think about this influence business and the stewardship of it. I think sometimes we forget that the blessings that come into our lives are not for hoarding. Whether those blessings are financial or the blessings of family or the blessings of a wonderful church or the blessings of uh, friendship, those blessings are not for hoarding. They're for sharing. And these gifts we have uh, to share in church, wonderful blessings. But, you know, we forget sometimes that they're not ends in themselves. The spiritual gifts we have are not just for Sunday entertainment. They're not simply to be kept in the four walls of the church. There is in my house... uh, uh, in my study, the room that I use as my study, a shelf. And most of the shelves in my uh, study, as you might guess, are covered with books. But there's this one shelf uh, that's dedicated to baseball. And uh, there are at least five baseballs that over the years, since I was about 12 years old, uh, that I've collected with autographs of baseball players and managers and uh, uh, they're treasures to me. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't get them down and play with them and get them grass-stained. They're, they're just for show. I have an 11-year-old grandson named Quentin who has a way of asking questions that get to the point. And he was in my study looking, and he was wanting to go out and play, and he kind of cleared his throat and said, do you have any baseballs that we can actually use? <laughs> oh, I love a child's honesty most of the time. And you know, do you ever wonder if God's asking that question of us or maybe the unreached world is asking those questions? That's really pretty. That's really nice. You do so many cool things in your building, but do you have some influence and some giftedness and some talents that God could use out there? In real life. Witness. Not expert. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. I want to remind you. That the early believers. The women and men. Who first testified to Jesus and formed the the core of the early church. They were not seminary trained. They were not theologians. They were not lawyers and experts in law, God's law. 
They were homemakers, carpenters and fishermen and farmers and common laborers. Not only were they common in their vocations, some of them had some real troubled spotted pasts. Simon Peter had publicly denied Jesus three times. Mary Magdalene literally had demons of her own to deal with. You know, if you wait till you're morally perfect to ever be a witness, nobody would ever share Jesus. If you wait till you get all the problems in your mind and heart figured out, all the problems in your family and at work figured out, if you wait till everything's perfect, you'll never be a witness. But God took those common, ordinary people and said, you're going to be my witnesses. You're not experts, and you're not perfect, but you're going to be my witnesses. And God built a church. Christ built a church out of those imperfect witnesses. I always get amused. Uh, The city of Jefferson every spring has this uh, large item trash pickup day. And uh, it's always fun to see who gets excited about the large item trash pickup day. People go, oh, wow, we can finally get rid of this or we can get rid of that. But you know who else gets excited about the large item trash pickup day? People who drive around looking at curbside and examining equipment. Uh, I had a guy come up to the house and say, you, you really going to get rid of this? It's a, it was a weed whacker, a, a yard trimmer, and you know we'd done everything we needed to do. He said, I think I can use this. I said, Go to it, man. And he was just as happy as a clam, you know. And like Mary Magdalene and Peter, you may be here this morning and you may be saying, you know, I have failed and messed up in my life. I'm not a very strong Christian. Uh, I don't understand the Bible. And maybe you feel like you've been taken to the trash curb But God comes along, picks you up, and says, you know, I think I can use you. I think I can use you. Not experts. Witnesses. Let's pray. As we bow for just a moment, we take a breath. We center We breathe a prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your life doesn't have that foundation of hope. You need Jesus Christ, his forgiveness, his power in your life. We're going to be here at the front during our response time. If you're hungry and longing to know him as personal Lord and Savior, We invite you to come and we'll help you in any way we can. There may be a a believer here this morning who wants to draw closer to the Lord or to pray about a a particular matter or join this church or uh, ask for a special prayer for uh, some service, some project that is ahead of you, some calling on your life. The altar is open. The time is yours during this response time. Heavenly Father, let your will be done here on earth, here in Jefferson City, here in this place, as it is in heaven. Amen.